2: The only toll-free call-in webcast produced specifically for Celtics fans. Celtics Stuff back, Live. Back back. 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 Back.
0: All right, everybody. Celtics Stuff Live is back, John and Justin, with just the train keeps rolling. And we could just put... All of the trade deadline stuff aside, you and I spent the whole show just you, you know just you and me, John, last week talking about the trade deadline and wrapping it up. And I know I have a teaser about these Duke players that's still open ended, so we have to get that on this. But quite frankly, um, you know, I know we're airing on Monday, but that game Saturday night, I didn't even get to watch the whole thing, but I did see the highlights. And Steph Curry is—I'm just going to say it—he's disgusting. He is absolutely disgusting. <laughs> with the, I mean, that shot to win in overtime with point six seconds left is a step and a half over half court, where people used to shoot from their chest, and he's going into a normal shot. I mean, we talked about raising the the basket in the past, but I'm I'm saying the court's not big enough anymore.
1: Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, you know, where do you guard somebody like that? You know, how do you? How do you do you just foul him every time? And you know, I mean, it's full so court press. A, you gotta it, have it, a full court press every game. But then, but then you see what he can do with his handle, and it's. You know, you're just never going to take the ball from him. It's nuts. I mean, and, you know, we we're joking before the show here. It's like rock and jock at this point. You know, we need to have spots on the floor where it's 50-point baskets. This is where these close guys were shooting from. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine a way where, you know, you, you try to figure a way to, to stop that guy. And where does it end? That's the other thing. Where does it end? Because, you know, barring injuries, and hopefully for all of us, that doesn't happen. Well, it's, in it's many ways, to see this
0: happened for a long, long, long time. In many ways, we have to judge that he's transcendent, like Jordan. And I know we've had some knocks on Jordan, and you know, you and I also talked about this before we came on the air about how a lot of times, even players like LeBron, who is definitely you know one of the best players to ever get on the court, but you can see how the fouls manufacture points for some of these stars based on size and reputation. And when I mean by size, I mean physical size. And their reputation and their ability not to take anything away from their talent, but a lot of times these points that the game goes has a lot to do with you know, points scored at the free throw line, but in this case, Steph Curry is just extremely pure in the way that the game has developed, so we can only hope, or the way that his game is developed, we can only hope that he's transcendent, because I'm serious. If we have more and more players who can do what Steph Curry does coming into the league, they really are going to have to change the dimensions of the court. And I think it would take away from the game. But we can't see guys shooting from half court as part of just a regular NBA game. And it will happen. You know, it's just like Antoine Walker, right? The reason he never shot, you know, the reason he shot so many threes is because they didn't make fours. Uh That's that's where we're actually headed. Like, I could see them turning into a four-point shot, which would that I really don't want to see. I'm very much yeah. against that. I, I'd rather see them change the dimensions of the court. But that's seriously how good Steph Curry is. He could change the game in terms of not how it's played, but literally the structure of the game since it was invented.
1: Well, I think, uh, yeah. Well, the question is, will the league, just as they did with Shaq, will they try to create rules... To try to make him conform to the rest of the league, you know that would seem to be a shame. But history dictates that's that might be where they go. I don't. I don't see so the floor ever changing.
0: What rule could you do? This, I mean, you Hand can
1: okay. that's, that's 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 where this game has gone. Is that you can't? You know, it's it's kind of exploded into a small man's game now. Any little guy who's got a little bit of handle and got some speed. Can get to the bucket because you can't, you know, stronger, you know, the 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 Mark Jacksons, the the Chauncey Billups, um, guys like that, and this actually leads into Marcus Smart becoming even bigger. Uh, the Gary Paytons, those guys could could run, you know, could ran the game. Now it's it's quicker, smaller, faster guards, and it's and they're even taking over to the point where. You can't have traditionally two you know, big men anymore. You spread the floor and you let those little guys run. Well, if they can't get into the bucket, then you see a much more of a traditional slowdown game. And maybe you're able to be more physical with, with Steph Curry. I don't know how you stop a guy like that. I just don't, I don't think
0: it's... you can even with the hand-checking rule. The guy can shoot 30 to 35-foot three-pointers. You can hand-check yeah. all you want out there. Uh, if they set a screen... You know, he's still quick enough to get around a screen and either find an open shot from deep or work around it. I mean, he's just got God-given talent that I don't care how much. Like, it's different than what you talk about Shaq, and they had to get Shaq to conform, you know, to the rest of the league. But that's because physically nobody else was like him, right? Who else is seven foot two that's that athletic, That weighs that much. And LeBron is very similar, too, in terms of his size and his athletic ability and handles and shooting ability in that he's kind of an oddball physically. You still have a hard time changing the game. But somebody like Curry is so pure in terms of his abilities relating to the way that the game is designed to be played. It's just shooting. And so yeah, you might be able to keep him away from the basket, but 12 three-pointers in a game, the most, I mean, what what how many games into the season are they? There's still a third of the season left. He's set a record for most three-pointers in a season. I mean, this is this is something that I'm not sure that even hand checking or any other rule could prevent. The only way you could prevent it is to take away the three-point line and just go back to everything's a two.
1: Yeah. Well, I I don't think you're giving the the intensity and the ferociousness that a a real good defensive guard can give a guy like Steph Curry. Steph Curry can shoot, Steph Curry has a handle, but when you have Gary Payton in front of you, when you have a guy like Chauncey Billups guarding you, when you have some of those great defensive guards of of the 90s and and, and late 80s in front of you, Dennis Johnson with those long arms, they're not, they're not going to let Steph Curry get by him. And they're also, they're not going to let them get as open around those screens. They're going to hold, they're going to clutch, they're going to grab. I think those things would be able to slow him down. But that's not the game we have. It's not the, the rules we have. Change those rules, that might even things out a bit. But do we want that? I don't know. I, I, I like kind of what we've seen from Steph Curry. And, and, and something will happen, I'm sure, that will even things out sooner or later.
0: Well, we're going to have to ask Mark Murphy about it because he's joining us from the Boston Herald. And I will lend some credence to what you're saying from the standpoint of the Celtics were almost the team, right? They were one team away from being the team that broke the the lossless streak at the beginning of the season for Golden State. And you look at those kinds of defenders and you're talking about Marcus Smart, you're talking about Avery Bradley. So, yep. and, and that game was very tightly contested. Celtics are going to have another shot against them Uh, We'll also talk about the Miami game because I think that was a pretty crucial win for this Celtics team Uh, at the end of the season. They've got another one of those long road trips at the end of March and into April, a little bit later than maybe some of the previous years. And the season ends against Miami. So trying to hold on to that third spot in the league, uh, that was a big win against Miami. And and those road games, I know they've been good on the road, but that might be the time when it finally catches up to them because three out of the five teams on that road trip are pretty tough. We'll look at that when we get a little bit closer. But right now we're going to go to Mark Murphy from the Boston Herald. Mark, I know I got to see you on Thursday night and catch up with you, and we, we talked a lot about Maine, and, you know, John's obviously from Maine. But uh, yeah. last year we spent a lot of time looking at the Red Claws and seeing who might come up and and help the squad, at least at the beginning of the year. This year yeah. – this season, the Celtics really—they've uh, started to get that rotation to gel a little bit. Some of those, some of the young players that weren't even in Maine are much more a part of that rotation. And you know, we've seen them uh, go to ten games above five hundred thanks to a big win against Miami to create some distance in that three and four spot. But what sure. did, what what are you seeing from this Celtics squad this year that's better than what was happening down the stretch last year?
2: I think it's just the continuity. Um, at this time last year, they had two major trades at the deadline. You know, they brought in three guys who ended up in the rotation, uh, Isaiah Thomas, Jonas Jurebko, and uh, the immortal Gigi Dutome. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they so it took a – the closing run they went on is kind of remarkable, Remarkable because they had to fit all three guys in. This year, there's no change. He's paired down his rotation to nine guys. uh, And, you know, they can just, this time around, they can just refine what they're doing. And I think they're a much better defensive team this year um, just because of the emergence of Jake Crowder. Smart is a year. Better and a year more irritating to opponents, as uh, Hassan Whiteside demonstrated yesterday. And I just think they're a great defensive unit. Um, you know, they they still have problems scoring the ball, but you know they they come back with their defense. They don't come back by outscoring the other team.
1: Yeah, it seemed like Whiteside was pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty salty yesterday after that uh, the foul yeah. on him.
2: Um, Well, he's probably, he went on to really rip the officials too, so I think he's probably getting, I don't know how often he's been fined in his short career, but I think he can expect another fine to come down (laughs) for. What he had to say yesterday.
1: <laughs> well, you know, there's. It seems like this week there's been a lot of talk about Marcus. Of course, the game on was it Tuesday I think, or no, excuse me, Monday night. The, the flop call that that everyone you know kind of just kind of created some hubbub here in town. And I, I just yeah. wonder, you know, I have less of a problem with it. I, I as you know, Danny went on the radio the other day and talked about embellishments part of the game. Great players embellish. Um, is there a line, though, that that can cross where maybe he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt a lot of the time because of the embellishment?
2: Well, I think that what happens is, uh, I was talking with Steve Bopet about this yesterday, he is so aggressive in trying to get charges or to just get fouls that I think he actually ends up on the upside. Um, You know, the, the white side call yesterday, I mean, Marcus did his thing and he just collapsed like somebody had shot him, you know, that's, that's sort of the way he plays. But I say, th- I think the refs are starting to respect that. I mean, they're also calling him for a ton of fouls. He's a very physical player, but the you, you can't curtail that. I, I think that that's the way he plays. You can't, you can't, um, you know, you just can't pour water on the guy's personality. He is who he is. I I think that he creates so much more with that than he hurts himself or the team.
1: Is there any concern talking about hurting himself? I mean, certainly he's, he's had some, some nicks and and bumps and bruises. Does that on the other side of it, does it also, you know, kind of that reckless abandon that he plays with? Does it, there's a concern in terms of his ability to stay on the court. He's had a good run since the knee, uh, yeah. but of course yes last year he had the ankle uh, and the right. summer league with the finger. Um, you know, With Delonte West, we saw that he played with a, not as much of a sure. reckless abandon, but
2: certainly sure. limited
1: his effectiveness, too. What, what do you think yeah. about well, that? That weighs in for
2: him. Well, uh, you know, and also early in Avery's career. You know, uh, that's how Avery played, and that's what kept him out? Marcus hasn't uh, missed time the way Avery did. But if you notice, Avery is has matured into a guy who doesn't foul that much, and he's still very effective. He's still very aggressive. I think that eventually, that's what's going to happen to Marcus. He's going to learn how not to foul, and the coaching staff is certainly on him about that. They're on everybody about that. You know, they do commit some silly. Falls late in games, and he's probably the number one culprit, but I think it's a matter of maturity. I think you tell him you know you teach him how to be a little more refined in the way he guards people, but he's just so aggressive i mean i personally I love that about him i you know let let him fall out of games that that's fine i you know because he's getting in the head of players he's he's what um Doc used to refer to as an irritant. You know, <laughs> certain certain guys who just irritate the hell out of the other team, and I think Marcus is one of them. And that well, works we, in your favor.
0: Yeah, It definitely does because it'll take them out of their game, and even um, on Thursday night's game when we were talking to Jay Crowder, you know, we asked yeah. him about him getting underneath the opponent's, you know, skin, and, and he said, well, I still think I'm second to Marcus Smart. And, right, you know, right. and, and I think that's obvious around the league.
2: And and that personality, you know, that's the, that's the emerging personality I was talking about. Um, you know, it's like, uh, again, when Doc was in here a couple of weeks ago, we were asking him about Marcus. And he, he made the point, he said, well, they have actually got three Marcuses on that team. He's referring to Crowder and Avery. Um. You know, and when you have that mindset and the defensive end, uh, you know, it, it's you make it miserable on the other team. Miami turned the ball over 20 times yesterday. Um, you know, and they've got a great point guard in Dragic. So, you know, they're a team that usually controls the ball better, but they, they just have a way, especially when they're connected and they're playing good team defense, they, they get turnovers just by filling the passing lanes and dropping into the gaps. Uh, you know they're a very they're a very difficult team to to make an interior pass against when they're really connected.
0: Now you know we talk about uh, somebody like Marcus Smart and we want we want him to stay on the floor. We definitely that aggressiveness. I'm with you. I I, mm-hmm. I think the fact that he plays hard eventually. This league, it's going to turn around. He's going to be more of a, a senior-level player. Or even sure. even in his just late to mid-20s, he'll start to get respect just because that's mm-hmm. how the game goes. I'm just mm-hmm. concerned about him staying healthy sometimes at that level of aggressiveness and just yeah. making the adjustments so that he doesn't have to worry about getting hurt.
2: Yeah, well, I, you know, um, and again, back to Avery. Avery learned how to sort of adjust that uh if you've noticed the last couple years avery's injury rate has gone down um you know last i forget i don't have it in front of me but i forget how many games he played last year but it was quite a bit more uh you know his one of his goals i know is to play a full 82 game schedule he's not going to get it this year but it's just a sign of his uh you know, his maturity and his durability. And I think that's going to happen to Marcus Marcus will learn.
0: Yeah. Well, and we talk about injuries, you know, some, what we want them to do is to be the ones that they can play through on the court, like Jay Crowder. And now I'm going to talk about Isaiah Thomas because Mm -hmm. he's got that left hand injury. And we've seen him the last two games, slow starts. And then the game on Monday night against Minnesota, where, you know, second night on a back to back, but I think he was zero for eight heading into the fourth quarter uh, right. from three-point right. land, and he had another two slow starts. And I know you tweeted about it yesterday too. Another slow start yesterday. Do you yeah. think, he talked about his hand kind of warming up as the game goes on. Do, do, right. do you think that's still what's going on with him?
2: Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, you know, he was joking; it's forcing him to use his right hand. You know, he, as you said the other day, he doesn't have a right hand, which. If you think about that, that's—it's amazing he scores at the rate he does, but only for a guy who only uses one hand. Um, the other, of course, yesterday, you know, he had those two floaters in the lane late in the game. You know, he always finds a way to suddenly free up. But um, I'm sure it's bothering him. Though. its uh, but think you know—he's the kind of guy who's going to play through it.
1: Yeah, he's <laughs> he's he's a tough guy. I mean, if you're five nine, you yeah. got you got you got to be able to do those things, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And speaking of guys that kind of fight through it, I mean, Tyler Zeller um, was pretty much yeah. the guy that kept him in that for a good part of that first half when things weren't falling. Yeah. Um, our, it, it What sort of how does a guy like him, who really was buried? I mean, he was—I'm not saying he was going to Portland buried uh, because I know he can at this point no, in his career. No. But, but you know, I mean, he was—he was as little a factor in this team as James Young and RJ and and Mickey. And, and yeah. now he's as integral a part as anybody. Um, he seems like the type of guy who keeps a very positive attitude, to whatever right. the situation, is very level-headed. Uh, and, and I know, uh, you know, the, the comment that I guess he made yesterday to Marcus about, you know, tell the tell the refs, that they do a good job as well. Uh, you yeah, know, he right, seems to right, impart right. that. Um, where do you think he yeah. fits in? And there, in there maybe you know, not just as they go, you know, certainly he's a big, he has a big role with with Olenek out. But you know, right. through the rest of this year and maybe even beyond that, do you see, uh, do you see him, you know, being a part of this team with so much cap space available this summer?
2: Uh, yeah, I do because you know he's a. I think he's a valuable backup. Although you know when Olenek comes back, that is gonna, you're right. That's going to cut into his uh, into his role. But you know you saw that play yesterday. You know he hits that mid range jumper, and when he does that, and you got a big uh, rim protector like Whiteside in there, he you know he forced he stretched Whiteside out a little bit. You know, if you force that big to come out, then, you know, that's what Isaiah needs. So I I think that if he can do that, if he can hit that shot as he did yesterday, even if it's, you know, even if he just hits three of those jumpers each game, it's, it's invaluable. And, you know, defensively, he's okay. I mean, for a seven footer, he's not going to block a lot of shots. I mean, he's more of a position defense guy but he can put a body in people. I I think he's pretty valuable. And the other thing is that it's the Phil Pressy principle. He is always ready. You know, he works very hard at staying ready when he's not playing. He's out there before games playing one-on-one against Walter McCarty, who can still has enough left where he can, you know, still test a guy like that. Um, So, you know, that's important. It's there's, there's some guys who, they don't get the time. Uh, they let their, you know, they, they get a little down on themselves. I mean, I've noticed uh, the last couple of games, for example, James Young up with the Red Claws, he's really kind of struggled. He's, uh, he's not hitting shots, and he is a guy who has admitted in the past that he suffers from confidence issues and all of a sudden he's the guy who gets sent up to Maine and they keep RJ Hunter down and they keep Terry Rozier down. It's uh you know some guys some guys just get it. I mean that's it's that attitude that uh, get Phil Pressy another job down in Phoenix. Yeah
1: that's yeah. That's right. Yeah. And and Phil I mean he certainly he played he never kept that and even last year when there was no time he still found a way. Um yeah. You know, that's that's important. You know now two guys, you know, kinda of going from Zeller, integral guy I think that has really taken a lot of flack from the bloggers, the Twitter sphere, all the you know, Evan Turner. I mean Evan Turner has uh-huh. been as integral in, in this team's success this year as probably anybody. And there's probably yeah. a lot of people like me myself who are like, oh, gosh, Evan Turner, trying to think he's playing like he's the second pick of the draft, which he was, but not really being you that
2: see, I, I, Yeah, you see, I don't think he is. I think he's really settled into who he is. Yeah, he, yeah, you know, you know the nickname, Evan Turnover, you know. But it's... Uh, <laughs> But I, he, he's a great assist guy. He had nine assists yesterday. Yeah. Um, he, sure, he's going to throw it away occasionally, but that's because he's trying to make plays. And in terms of, you know, people, I wish people would stop expecting him to hit threes because that's just not him. But right. when you see that off-the-dribble mid-range fadeaway he has, which some people cringe when they see it because it's just not a shot you see in the league anymore, but he makes it. He's a very instinctive player, and, you know, he needs the ball in his hands, which is why you know, he's not a fit everywhere. When he was in Indiana, they tried to turn him into a spot-up jump shooter. Well, that's not him. He has to be able to create. And Stevens loves him. And I personally, I think that he's a very important part of that second unit. And if you notice, I mean, he's on the floor late in games. He's It just,
0: he makes plays. I agree with you, Mark. And I think he was frustrating last year, but I think like Mm -hmm. every player on this team, he's slowly learning where his high percentage opportunities are. Mm -hmm. And he has Mm -hmm. clearly taken feedback because he isn't forcing as much. I've seen an improvement even since the start of this season and he's one of the only guys that has the handle on this team outside of maybe Isaiah who can get into the paint and explore the offense, which creates Mm -hmm. a ton of opportunities for that second unit that if you remember last year without Isaiah Thomas and, and I know he was the piece that really, you know, vaulted and, and really got uh, the scoring going on the second unit, but everything really got bogged down in the past when the second unit would come in and between, having Isaiah Thomas, who's now with the starting unit, and now Evan Turner kind of maturing in this system, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we've seen a lot more open up to your point on that second unit, and I would be surprised if he got injured if that second unit wouldn't crumble without him.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, and if you're able to go into the postseason, the other element there is Linux, who is just such a great facilitator from outside. Um. If you have that second unit intact, I mean they're almost as good as the starters. In fact, a number of coaches have commented on that. There's real, not really a lot of separation between, with the exception of Isaiah's story, obviously. There's not a lot of separation between the first five and the next five, or you know now that Stevens is going with a nine-man rotation, the next four they. It, it's a team that really moves the ball well. A one that can shoot. Turner is great for mid range. And one thing you might notice is that because defenses are more and more geared to stopping the three, those mid range shots are starting to open up a little more. You know. Yeah. I think that I, I think that part of the offense is going to make a comeback, and a guy I like think, Evan could take advantage of that.
0: And I think Brad Stevens is just the person, too, as well. Even though I know he loves the three-pointer, and he definitely yeah. encourages the team to shoot them, even when, through the first third of the season, they really couldn't hit one to save their lives. He right. still encouraged it, and you need you need the mix of both types of shots. But I think you're right, and I think the way that Brad Stevens teaches this team to read and react. I mean, the offense is complicated from the standpoint of they probably have three or four maybe even five reads per play type that they put in. Right. But right. he also really simplifies his game plan. It's almost like he says, look, we're going to use these, you know, nine or ten packages against this team. And right. they already know the read and react. But I think that's one of the biggest elements that you have to give credit to Brad and why I think your point about the mid-range shot coming back is mm-hmm. there's, gonna, there's no better team, I want to say, almost – Or definitely they're in the very top echelon in terms of when they play discipline, nobody else does a better job of doing that read and react. And really, I mean, look at the way they dealt with Hassan Whiteside on Saturday. Uh, That was all read and react.
2: Sure, sure. And, you know, when you got... And I think even in in a very short amount of time, I think they learned a little bit because... uh, go back to the road trip. They just had a horrible time with uh, Rudy Gilbert and favors who are back in tomorrow night, by the way, um, you know, and the Minnesota game, I mean, size was just giving them a nightmare because, you know, they've decided that their best units are small, but I think, you know, as evidenced by yesterday, I think they're getting better against bigger teams and, you know, Olympic makes a huge difference. I mean, I, I never would have guessed at the start of the season that he would become so vital, but he has. I I think he's really made some uh, strides with his offense, and I think that really makes that second unit tick. But the other thing about Stevens is that he, unlike a lot of coaches, uh, i.e. Phil Jackson, he doesn't believe in forcing his material to fit his system. He goes the other way. He tries to take a guy like Turner, for example, and go to what that guy's strengths are. Um, you know, they're trying to find a compliment for Isaiah that will free him up even more. Uh, once they get, once they get more shooting, and uh, maybe when develops into that stretch for, you know, then you're going to really nice. see that would really Isaiah be nice. He's, he's yeah. He's He's running too many double teams off of pick and rolls right now, and uh, you know that's really swallowing him up.
1: Yeah, and you know, of course, that you know this summer will certainly change things too. But but even in the short term, the Linux return will will really open up the floor for 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 him, for Avin Turner, for for all these mm-hmm. guys who like to get to the get to the bucket. Um, you're looking yeah. ahead to this week, Mark. I mean, we got we got the Cavs coming up on set on next weekend. So I'm sure there's mm-hmm. some, some, re- some revenge in mind there. Uh, mm-hmm. certainly the jazz game trailblazers who have really played well of late. Hot team.
2: Yeah. Very hard. Right. Yeah.
1: This is, this is, and then of course we have Phil Jackson's Knicks to <laughs> kind of bring that around. Um, this yeah. is a, it's a, this is a tough spell for the team, um, without sure. a Linux, uh, how do you how do you see them? How do you, do you think they'll they'll have some sort of counter to the Gobert favors lineup that that really? What, what do you what do you see them kind of working towards? Maybe tomorrow night or, or Monday night, I should say, because this will this will well,
2: actually podcast Monday. You got to stretch them. I think that what you saw from Zeller yesterday, mm-hmm. um, you can they're going to hope to see again tomorrow, because uh, that's how the way they. You know, the way they eventually handled Whiteside is sort of the textbook of how you have to handle these, these rim protectors. Um, you know, they'll try to open the floor more for Isaiah. And, the, you know, the problem with the Utah game was uh, it was just overall a horrible night. They <laughs> didn't really challenge him in any aspect of the game, including defensively. You know, uh, you'll you'll see them tighten up defensively tomorrow. That'll that'll be one big difference.
1: And they won't have ten games since their last you know, ten days since their last game either. Which you know, right. there's always that right. that kind of getting rubbing the 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 sand out of your eyes after the All Star game anyway. But they had a long yeah. extra long break, I think, more so than usual. So it's yeah,
2: but it, it wasn't it just the it wasn't just the break because uh, one thing that Brett said was there were a couple of games preceding the break, including that great win over the Clippers, um, where they just weren't the same defensively. They were trying to outscore teams. You know, that Clippers game was very exciting, and, you know, they were, you know, it was a Warriors type of score, but it's not who they are. I mean, who they are was very much more in line with the score yesterday. And I think they're—they had a stretch of probably about six games where they just didn't play well defensively. But I think they're starting to tighten that up. I know that's something that the coaching staff was really trying to focus on: was snapping them back into being connected on defense, uh, pressuring the ball, uh, getting turnovers. You know, get again—you know—the two games against Miami this year, they—they uh, forced thirty-nine turnovers. That's a pretty good number
0: against that team. Wow. Yeah, I'd say. Mark, um, as we kind of wrap up, I have to ask you this one. We're going to go sure. a little bit beyond the Celtics, but a very exciting game Saturday night between Oklahoma City and Golden oh, State. God. And John and I actually spent quite a bit of the opening segment talking about Steph Curry really taking about a step and a half across half card and going into oh, you know his yeah, okay. normal shooting form to knock right. down the game winner with 0.6 seconds left. Is, yeah, yeah. Disgusting,
2: right? <laughs> oh, it was, there's a great, um, I'm trying to remember who tweeted it. Howard, Howard Beck uh, yep. tweeted, retweeted, somebody else would put it up. It's a, it's a video loop of all 12 three-pointers just going from one to the next and every single one was guarded. I mean he, he he was not getting open shots. Oklahoma City was doing their best to get up on him and he was still making that. I mean he he he's a he's you know and I covered Ray Allen. Um he is eventually going to be the greatest shooter of all time if he's not yeah. there already.
0: I he's mean, transcendent, right? Like he's, yeah, he is he's not yeah. just an all NBA player. He has the ability to literally have to force the game to change in some way. Right. right.
2: I, you know, it, it's like I've always believed that LeBron is the best player in the game. I'm actually starting to think again about that. I, th- I think that Curry is just playing so well offensively that uh, he is. He's living up to the MVP,
0: you know? I saw a picture on Twitter, and it was, uh, the quote was, this is Steph Curry's shot, shot shot chart from last night, and it was a picture mm. of the Milky Way universe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it, it's ridiculous. or galaxy. He's, yeah, yeah. It, it's absurd. I mean, he's uh he's got a handle. He's he's not. Right. You know, Reggie Miller didn't have a particularly good handle. I'm not sure. You know, Ray could put it. On the floor when people closed down on him and score, but neither of those guys had the handle that Curry has.
1: It's it's unbelievable, and you know, it. We were talking about this before. I mean, Durant's three to go ahead at the end of regulation. We would have been yeah. lauding him. You know, I mean, that that's right. Right. a superstar making a clutch play at the end of a game right. or at home against right. a tough opponent. I mean, that's 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 great stuff, and well, one, it's least, almost, almost irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Um at least one of at least one of those threes by Curry was uh in Durant's face, right? Right. Yeah. It was one that, you know, that's a long dude. I mean yeah. he's you know you know, no problem. He just uh gets the elevation on that shot. I and mean, it's such a quick release.
0: Does that make if Durant you were, more you were, likely Oh go ahead, what's Mark. That? I was gonna say no, does that gonna... make <laughs> you go.
2: No, I was going to say if if you let him get off the pick to get it, you're done. Yeah, yeah it's, it's you it's know true. if he gets that little bit of space, that shot's going down.
0: So does that make Durant more likely to want to sign with Golden State this summer? I don't know.
2: Um, you know the team the team that I've the team it's been foremost in my mind for that continues to be Washington. He does love, he's from there. He is very close to, his, to where he grew up. But and Washington
0: has some great pieces to put around him, you know? But Southwest has great flights from Boston to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You can take the train. You can be home in no time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, i I, th- I think it's gonna be you know, i don't think he's coming here sorry
0: guys well oh. i i don't either but i'll also say this i mean would it almost break the game if he went to golden state i mean if they had draymond green yeah Thompson, Steph, I mean, wouldn't it just like take all the parody out of the scenario and and oh, almost sure. almost make it difficult to watch i mean they might be the only team that anybody tunes into and they would yeah. wait to the playoffs.
2: And yeah. And it never works out as good as it seems either. I mean, how many, how many titles did you think Miami was going to win when LeBron went down there?
0: True. I, true.
2: I just, you know, there's always something that happens. I, I don't know. It's uh some people think he's just going to take a one-year deal in Oklahoma City and come back out in 2017 when Westbrook becomes a free agent.
0: That's uh, not a bad idea, but it's not a lot. Yeah, That's one injury away from being a really bad idea.
2: Exact, exactly. And, the, you know, I mean, he's going to be the only guy who actually deserves the cash this summer. You know, you're, you're going to get an awful lot of overpaid players. Just because of all that TV money, but he, so how much is he going to be able to scoop up? You know, he'll everybody will be bidding for him, including the Celtics, um, including Miami. Miami, Pat Riley thinks that he can bring him into his office and put his championship rings on the table, and that's all it will take. You know, maybe that'll happen. I mean, you know, there's the Miami always has a draw that a city like Boston can never hope to have, but. I don't know. I'm still putting my money on Washington. Well, I hope you're wrong, Mark. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm
1: kidding. No, but yeah, you're right though. I mean, it's. I think you're right. I think it's probably more likely he takes the extra year because he can make a bigger payday next year, and then I guess Ibaka and Westbrook are up, and either it works or it doesn't, and then they all go right. you know, separate ways. But
2: Well, you know. you know, and I've got a, I've got a bias against Oklahoma City because they stole that team from Seattle. And so, you know, they sort of lied to the fans up there. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's, you know, just to serve. I think they're going to get what's coming to them that way. <laughs> Yeah, you know it's
1: funny because most people, I think, probably forget that or ignore that. But that—that was—it was such a dirty deal that went down against oh, that
2: team there. I oh, mean, oh, the guy, the guy just out and out lied. He went up there. Oh well, you know, our first option is to keep the team here in Seattle, and you know he knew that the that that arena deal up there was just such a mess because of the battle between the team and the city. Um, you know, he had no intention of right? there. And awful. now that he's in Oklahoma City with all that oil money, now they're cheap. They, you know, they don't want to pay their players.
1: Yeah, that's right. They're yeah, they <laughs>
2: have to they want They're going to have to pony up if they want to they keep rent in Westbrook. But you know, West, Westbrook strikes me as the perfect Nick. I don't know about you guys. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I thought, you know, I think there was some thought that maybe he'd go to L.A., of course, UCLA, and growing up out there, but you, mm, you got to yes. believe that's somebody, and he actually probably wouldn't be a terrible fit in the triangle either, given his size, so. So know.
0: what we really want is a total fallout where Durant and Westbrook hate each other, and Westbrook <laughs> goes to L.A., and then that encourages Durant to come to Boston, and then, you know, we can uh, see some okay. finals battles, right? That'd be That would be a story.
2: Okay, okay. Well, you know, it's, uh, you know, Isaiah was out recruiting during All Star Week, and maybe, maybe he took some words in with the Rams.
1: i like that. I don't know if it's true, Mark, but I'm going to choose to believe that's the truth. So
0: <laughs> that's good enough for I kinda, me.
2: I, I actually think the guy he talked to was Al Horford, but.
0: Yeah. 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 I think, think there's a lot to that. Do, do you think that that's a
1: guy. Do you have any concern about signing him for for years being a thirty year old yeah
2: i I think length of contact would be a problem with that guy because he, he gets hurt to begin with you know um I mean he's a good player uh he is a legitimate all star, mm-hmm. but you know he's and he would fit in i mean you know, and talk about improving defensively, he would improve you defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not, you know. You, do you want to give five years to him? What? Right. Is, how old is he? Thirty-one.
1: He's thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Just turned. Just
0: turned thirty or turning thirty.
1: Just, just turned thirty. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. So, yeah, that's that's kind of iffy. I mean, he's a nice player, but you know, you know, not I don't think you want to overpay for him.
0: Right. And is he really the next piece? that puts them into the championship discussion or not. You know, we heard a lot about, and, and obviously, you know, your counterpart, bullpet reported Okafor as, you know, right. the mystery trade target. Uh, right. If that's the case, you know, maybe that's more likely, not only in the short term, but the long term to get him over the hump. I'm not sure right. Horford is. I mean, would you want to add him maybe instead of Amir Johnson and it's a swap out? I mean, that there's a debate there. Both guys, a little bit questionable with injuries, but Amir Johnson, you know, oh, really earned his yeah. spot on this squad.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any. Just if you're just taking each guy based on what they can do, I don't think there's any comparison. I mean, I would take Horford every time. Right. Um, you know, Amir, Amir is okay, but uh, Amir has, uh, you know, he he has durability issues. He, you know, he doesn't play a lot of minutes. Um, he's not, he's not there every night, if you know what I mean. Yep. I think, yeah, I, we, think there's, we, I think there's nights when he tends to disappear.
0: Well, most of his offense comes in ways, you know, streaks and even rebounding. If you look at yeah. Thursday night's game, he had a, what was it? Seven rebounds in the, in the first quarter. And then he only got one more rebound the rest of the right. way.
2: Well, the the guy who's just inhaling the glass right now is Solinger. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, which uh, you know, Solinger is the best rebounder. And Amir is a better defender. Um, you know, but he does. He also doesn't have Solinger's offense. I mean, you know, it's a well, It's rim runs and pick and roll. You know, and they're they're a great. They're becoming a really good pick and roll team. So. You know, you need a guy like that. I mean, and he is their best rim protector. But he's, you know, when they, when they've had this trouble against Biggs over the last couple of weeks, I mean, he hasn't really acquitted himself all that well.
0: hmm Yeah, I think that's the truth. All right, Mike, uh, we're going to have you back, I think, as we get closer to the playoffs for sure. Absolutely. And I appreciate you making some time for us with the interview, and it was awesome catching up with you uh on at Thursday night's game and maybe we'll maybe we'll head yeah. up the coast, you know, in the off season at some point together and uh catch oh. some lobster. I'll treat you to some garys and some lobster.
2: Oh, that sounds nice. Have some uh lobster stew at Shaw's. That would be nice.
0: That'll be that'll be the plan. And, you know, John John'll be right there cuz he lives right in that area. So Excellent. we'll have to get him out to Shaw's for the first time. Excellent. Actually, uh-huh.
2: I, yeah, we went up to uh, Pemaquid on our honeymoon. actually.
0: It's a good
1: choice. It's a good yeah, choice. choice. Can't go excellent. wrong with Pemaquit. Definitely not. <laughs> no, Definitely not. At all. At all. If you f- feel free to come up, if you want, and come up a little bit further. Come up to Camden Rockport area. We'd love to ha- have you up here, too. But okay. I'll, I'll come down an hour. I, I could meet you down in Pemaquid That's no problem. That's not a hard, huh. that's not hard to sell there. Well,
2: I'm sure there's a lot, of, you know, I'm sure that you'd have to. I'm sure you'd have to work hard to not find a good place to eat up there, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, you really would. That's true. That's true.
0: <laughs> All right, Mark Murphy, everybody from the Boston Herald joining us today. Uh, always a great guest, and it's great to have him back and for us to be back uh, with Celtic yeah, Stuff Live. Yeah, uh,
2: congratulations on being back, guys.
0: That's good. Th- thank you, Mark. All right, John. You know, Mark Murphy... What a great guy. It I was awesome to reconnect with him on Thursday night. I mean, really, going to that game, I caught up with a lot of people, including, you know, Steeple Pat. Mike Gorman saw me right away and was very, uh, you know, very welcoming back to the scene. I said, yeah, it really had been a long time. And then, not to mention, Sean Grandy, uh, he saw me walking. He goes, What are you doing? It was at halftime. He goes, What are you doing? Walking around, you big star. I was like, Oh, <laughs> cut it out. So, I didn't, you know, listen. Uh, I will tell you there's a lot of people at the garden now. It's been a while since I covered the team, but I was one of maybe the fewer numbers of internet media, but now there's a lot of these savvy guys like Jay King, like Chris Forsberg, like Jared Weiss, um, you know, all the CLNS guys that get an opportunity to go Celtics blog uh, writers like Kevin O'Connor. Uh, really, it's kind of a there's a, a new and old school, but like we talked about with Mark, you know, Mark's adapting, he, and I see him put a lot of good stuff on there. He's clearly adapted just fine, but uh, it, it, you know, it hasn't changed that much. But some of the faces have changed, and I definitely had a great time being on the Garden Report. Other than the fact that after watching it, I realized, John, that I look a lot like Bert from Bert and Ernie. What?
2: <laughs> it so might no, have been the lighting. No, it might have no, been there, no. we did have
0: some issues. But I'm telling you, like, <laughs> if I just had it, like. Like a a little bit more of a point at the top and some tufts of hair on the top, I'd be like, yeah, my eyes are too close right at the bridge of my nose. I got a really long head. Anyway, you know, there's a reason that that guys like myself hide behind, you know, and and, and like podcasting. There's a reason. Podcasting is my niche. I'll definitely get back on the garden report. It was a ton of fun, and and I thought we did a I thought we did a pretty decent job considering. I will tell you. We were recording at like twelve thirty, quarter of one o'clock, so it was very late uh, when we did the the garden report. But it was a ton of fun to get back there and catch up with, you know, all the people that I hadn't seen since I last covered the team. And I actually, I I, I think I said four years ago, but it might have been five years ago since I actually went with credentials.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And I and I I thought the uh, your garden report interview was was great. Um, again, Jared talking about how you know he picked up listening to us in high school and that's just not right you know <laughs> it's just not right well um, and also not to...
0: right was the fact that i said we started in 2003 but i have since uh, yes. gone back and fact checked and it was i believe the draft show that first live draft show which you were a featured guest on by yes. the way and it was yes. one of the reasons you wound up joining jb and i on the show regularly yep. but Uh, I believe that was the 2005 draft show when they drafted the two greens, right? It
1: was, yeah. That was 2005. As I was listening to the show the morning of that morning, I'm like, nope, 2005. It was 2005. I remember it. I was like like Rain Man down here. I was like, nope, nope. I was fact-checking the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely Uh, 2005. 2005, 2005, yeah. Definitely. We're in green. We're in green, green. Yeah. Uh, definitely a two
0: hundred and ninety seven minute show. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably was, actually. <laughs> it
0: was long. I, it, it was, was definitely show. four or five hours.
1: It was, but it was the shortest in I was ever on the show. So that would that felt like a short one. There's the next year and the following year where we, we started to get legendary status with these things. So uh but no it was and great. You were with
0: the Boston Sports Media Watch, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was doing the... Uh, yeah, we had our our uh, you and Bruce four, the full court press as we called it. And That's where we got uh, Kevin Henkin who uh, did some work with, who was, was with us for quite a while. We got to get Kevin back on the show. We should, we should. Yeah. It'd be great to, to talk to Kevin again, but yeah, it was, it was fun. It was, it was good to, to walk down memory lane there with, uh, with Jared. And it's also funny, you know, the, you know, doing this show, it's funny. You mentioned the, the 1231 o'clock thing. Like I can remember us doing shows that late at night. Ooh. Um Yeah. You know, it, it it didn't seem to matter for us then, but yeah, now I'm not
0: we, as young as I used to be. Yeah, man, it's it's very
1: Woo. different. So, anyway, anyway, good stuff. Well, really listen,
0: appreciate- on the last show, I know you love the Duke Blue Devils, right? I mean, that's no secret. That's it. And I I did a huge teaser, and it just would not be fair if we didn't go back and revisit it. And I think what I was saying was, isn't it interesting that a lot of the names that are getting that are coming up and being sort of attached to the Celtics, including the Steve Bupette rumor about that trade, the mysterious trade deadline trade that didn't happen with Okafor out in Philadelphia. Uh, I said, is there some sort of an affinity here? Smart players tend to go to Duke, right? I mean, if you're a smart guy and you can play basketball, you're probably going to choose Duke. That's uh, you know often what happens. When we talk about read and react, and we talk about this team overachieving, a lot of that is Brad Stevens' personality. Do you think there's something in Danny's mind where he's attracted to Duke players because he thinks that maybe those players are players that that Brad Stevens can get the most out of?
1: I think that's I think that's a great point, and I and I also think I still believe. Seven days later, it's entirely unfair of you to make me have to sit and wait to answer that question.
0: However, it, it definitely was. It was will, totally unfair.
1: <laughs> I will answer it nevertheless. Uh, no, I, I think there's absolutely a case in that you need to be intelligent. You need to be a hard worker. You need to be somebody who who can can take coaching. Um, you know, there's a lot of players that have played. In a, I mean, I'm not gonna. I don't want to point the finger at James Young and point the finger at John Calipari. But let's take a look here. I mean, the one Kentucky player we've got. James Young has not washed. I mean, he played fine for Cal. He might be fine another system. But the guy's lost right now. Uh, we're, we're almost two full years into his career and, and with just about nothing to show for it. So I don't know that I, I'd say also added to that fact is that Duke gets some of the best players in the country. And I think that that has a lot to do with it too. Talent goes to Duke. They want to win, they want to compete, they want to get they want to go with the the foot of the guy who's coaching team USA, who's feeding the, the players, uh, not just through the top of the college ranks, but the top of the entire uh, world in terms of the best players in the world. He's coaching these guys in Team USA, so they want to go. They want to go to that guy. They want to get all the exposure that Duke brings, and that's a smart choice. Um, and so it'd be foolish for Danny not only to not look at the best talent in the country, but also to look at guys who are smart enough to understand putting themselves in the best situation possible. And I, so I think there's absolutely some truth to that. Now is Okafor the right guy Eh, i don't know well hold on we did see with parker i will say we did see with parker he played a hell of a game here when he played in boston and i'd also say i I think it's more about fit than anything else when you're talking about those two guys and um you know is okra for the right
0: guy for what they need i'm not so sure honestly right now well, Parker definitely would be, and I know that was sort of a, who you would have hoped would have been somebody they could have pulled mm-hmm. you know, from Milwaukee. And watching him play that game the other night, he's a closer, man. And I even said on the show, uh, the Garden Report with Jared Weiss, I said, I, I'm not even sure. You might look back, and you might even take Parker over Wiggins, which is pretty strong words. But I will say part of the reason I, I put it out there is because Steve pett tweeted it, and he said not only then, but still again now, I stand by the fact that I think you might go with Parker ahead. Parker's a closer. I mean, he's got ice in his veins. He definitely played very strong, and he gave Milwaukee a real shot at climbing back in and taking one, stealing one from the Celtics. But I think at the end of the day, Celtics execution got it done, not to mention this wacky wild. We don't even have to talk about it. It's been so publicized, but that behind-the-head crazy pass to Jay Crowder in the corner from Isaiah Thomas it was just ludicrous I mean maybe not maybe not Steph Curry disgusting but definitely Isaiah Thomas ludicrous so uh, but I have to I have to go here because Celtics blog uh, put a put a uh, Maybe a posited something that we talked about last time where I said, hey, I'm not even, it doesn't add up to me, especially the way Danny worded who who the player was. We're just going to get through the rest of our season as best we can. That didn't sound a lot like Okafor to me. And I remember talking about it. But then Celtics blog came out with this article this week and said, you know, basically, what if Okafor isn't the guy? What if that's really a smokescreen, and it was somebody else. And through a couple of names out there, um, I remember Blake Griffin being one, and that's what I was thinking. I was thinking Blake Griffin all the way uh, based on Danny's comments that the other team said, we're going to finish out our season as best we can and then look to revisit this. Um, you know, That's a young player, somebody who's transcendent. I mean, I think Okafor's a great player, and I think he has a chance to be a special player and continue getting better, but is he really... You know the kind of player that Danny wants to give up top picks for 100% to vault this team. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. Well, I I think that that Okafor, I think we we I think he has potential. Um, I, my question with him is is, and, and I, I'm not worried about defense. I think he'll, he's going to pick up the defensive piece. He he's not going to be, uh, you know, Anthony Davis. He's not going to be Carly Anthony Towns in that regard. But he's <laughs> going to be a devastating player on the block. Um, I, I have no doubts uh, in in his ability to to be a a, 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 a an all perennial All Star player in Okafor. I think he has that ability, whether he's here or he's in Philly. But but to go where you're going. I think you're right. I think, I think that there is a very real possibility that that there's somebody out there or, or, or multiple guys out there uh, that Danny's talking to, and uh, it, it make, makes sense for a guy like Blake to be that guy. It really doesn't help the Clippers' situation to, to have that out there right now that, you know, hey, we talked with Danny about Blake. You know, and there's some, and maybe there's a deal there you could put together. Or, for that matter, Cleveland. It doesn't make sense for Cleveland to say, you know, we're not going to make a trade. But oh, we did talk. They're still trying to to win, to be successful. They're hoping to go late into June. Why would they want that hanging over their heads and having that that uh, split in their locker room? I mean, Lord knows the Clippers have enough of those problems as it is, given the fact that well, Blake and
0: the said guy. player should be back by the playoffs. So if the trade maybe. wasn't made. Then, well, but, but that's what they're hoping for. Yeah. Let's say Blake does come back by the playoffs. You definitely don't want it looming in his head that he wasn't wanted.
1: Right. No, I, I, that's exactly right. I, and it, it it causes fractures in the locker room, not just with him, but his teammates. Teammates like to defend each other. But then when you got one one teammate's punching another guy, I mean, they're just, you know, and love, I mean, there, there's been enough problems with love trying to integrate into that team, uh,
0: as it is so yeah that's the other name right that was kevin love that jeff clark put out as a possibility right but that one still doesn't i mean it lines up to an extent because he doesn't fit and so they say well you know what uh we're gonna get through the rest of the season as best we can but that's the part that really sticks out it's like they already know that they can perform well with kevin love they could probably perform better with somebody else who can fit into the team better. As a matter of fact, what they really need is an interior defender that is just a monster, a complete beast on the inside who doesn't take anything away on the offense. Because having Kevin Love, you know, park out like he's he's assuming the Ray Allen role in the big three in Cleveland, you know, if you were to make the comparison, right. you know, to the to the Celtics 08 championship team is is that bailout in the and I, Ray was never happy with that. But Kevin Love seems to say, "I want to be here right now. This is, you know, this is what I'm kind of hoping for. Yeah. Is is that we're going to win a championship? But I still don't think as best we can fits Kevin Love. Uh, as best you can, hey, you're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. What do you mean as best you can? By the way, you did just lose the Toronto Raptors, but I think that has no bearing, you know, on treadline, trade deadline discussions because it was after the fact uh, that the Raptors were able to uh, hand them a loss. But I, I, as best I can, that really only sounded like one player to me all along.
1: Well, I'm not reading too much into the, into the quote, but as much as I am, the situations that exist, you know, and, and I, and I, I think you're right. I think that there's a, there's a real strong scent there that for a lot of reasons, the Clippers should be looking to move Blake. They should be looking to, to move him somewhere else. Um, I think that, I think probably the Clippers are probably looking to try to find situations where um, they can keep this thing going. But ultimately, the Clippers had to look at blowing this thing up if they're not to be successful. And and let's just you know to jump on to this point: the Warriors last night, they're they're <laughs> they they went into Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City had everything going, everything they had. They were clicking on all cylinders, and they still weren't able to beat. Uh, you know the Warriors, and so they also have to be stopped and saying, "Okay, is this worth it? Is this core going to get over the hump?" And so, you know, you, I think in both cases, some they have to look hard in the mirror. Now, it's different in that you've got some guys signed up for the long term in in uh, in LA. But if I'm if I'm LA, if I'm Golden, if I'm excuse me, if I'm uh, Oklahoma City, I'm looking and saying maybe it makes sense to to tear down or or try to reconfigure my core right now. Moving Blake, that that core of those 3 of Chris Paul, DeAndre and Blake is not going to work. We've seen it. We know that's not going to work. So it's, it's not. so that makes a lot of sense. I don't think Oklahoma City views the same way with with their core, but maybe Durant alone says, look, this isn't going to happen here. I've going to go, well, I've got
0: to go really eat. if they're not if you're not going if you're in the West and you're not gonna get on Steph Curry's page, right. you're probably gonna look to go East. I that that part yeah. there's a lot of merit to. And I will say this as we close the show out: what a, what an irony that Doc Rivers didn't want to stick around in Boston <laughs> for the rebuild, and he might very well be two years removed, three years removed, and in his own rebuild with the Clippers that quickly. Yeah. The irony is definitely thick. I feel terrible for so, him. Uh, I bet you do. <laughs> I always like Doc, though. I will tell you this, covering the game the other night, Doc Rivers, you everybody would crowd around him just to be able to get a question in. Yeah. But even if you were standing in the back of the mass, you could hear him. When Brad Stevens talks, if you're in the back, you can't hear a damn thing he's saying. He's a much more quiet-spoken person. But uh, you know, maybe that comes with his introspection and intelligence because he's a mastermind, there's no doubt. Um, so this team... Uh, looked like they were going to get you know, a little bit of a rough, bumpy road without Olenek and and then coming out of the All-Star game against Utah, Utah Jazz. Uh, Monday night, they're going to get the rematch. I think we'll know if they've shaken the rust off and adapted to life without Kelly O'Linick, who should be back in a couple of weeks anyway. But it will be very interesting to see how they respond. And then we'll talk about it all again next week because we're going to be back uh, per, uh, tentative guest for next week is going to be Scott Souza, of the Metro West Daily News and we're also going to try to get with Jessica Camaretto uh, who was uh, covering Boston up until January when she joined the CS team, CSN team out of Philadelphia so those are our prospective guests that we're hoping to to bring on the show and then again everybody, we're giving away tickets we're going to be announcing it in just a couple of weeks so all you got to do is retweet the show or make a comment and make sure you hashtag CSL returns, plural CSL returns. And don't forget to find John and and myself at CSL underscore Duke and CSL underscore Justin. Everybody, thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you next week. Celtic
2: stuff live.